Hi, everyone. This is Jack, co-host of the Summer Reading Podcast, coming at you live, not live, but not dead either, far in the future, before we even start to tell you that we like to swear. It's an explicit podcast. It's not crazy, uh, but we do say bad words, you know, like fooey, and we call each other cur a lot, like almost nonstop, and uh, what have you, or good for a good what have you here uh, here and there. So just so you know, if you want to protect your, your delicate paper ears from uh, our, our cutting remarks, um, just be aware of that. So uh, sit back or, I don't know, go for a jog, whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. I'm not your dad. I could be. We don't know. Pretty sure I'm not. Send me a letter. Uh, I didn't grow up on this kind of couch. Um, I grew up on love seats, but when I, when I got to college, I was experimenting with, you know, yeah. sectionals, yeah. Yeah. accent chairs. That's what you do in college. Um, it's all about experimentation. It's all about experimentation. <laughs> um, I, I fell in with those feng shui kids for a while, and that, was a, you know, that was a process of finding myself. Hello and welcome to the Summer Reading Podcast. We are back to our regular setup um, of being not together. <sighs> um, so, <laughs> so, so sad. So sad. <laughs> so welcome to the Summer Reading Podcast, the podcast where a professor and a librarian read and review all of the books you're assigned to read in English class. I am your professor. My name is Jack. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm your librarian. My name is Marty and my pronouns are she, her. Whenever I tell people I'm doing a podcast, one, I brace myself because you often have to hear about like th- their podcast. Cause, mm-hmm. cause but I'm always like, oh, I'm doing it with my friend Marty. And then I'm always like, she is. Yes. Um, and I'm like, like, for whatever reason, I'm like hyper aware of, oh, I don't want them to misgender my friend. So it's so funny because I cannot tell you how many emails I get that are like, dear Mr. Mason, and I write back, and I have my pronouns in my email signature, mm-hmm. and then I will get a reply to my reply, oh, thank you, Mr. Mason, and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had one kid, it was so cute, this teen volunteer came in and had been addressing me as Mr. in all of all of these emails, going back and forth, and I was like, I really, I, I just don't really know how to correct this in like in a in a way that's gonna be kind of gentle so then she comes into the library one day and sees me at the desk and she was like oh my god i've been saying mister this whole time and i was like it's okay (laughs) she was so embarrassed you'd be surprised this isn't new (laughs) exactly Oh, anyway, but thank you, thank you for um, alerting alerting your your people who don't know me to <laughs> my pronouns. Yep. yep. <laughs> Tend to do it like uh, bef- before we say anything else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she. She. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so I have um exciting news <gasps> that we always talk for like 
anywhere between an hour to 20 minutes before yeah. we actually start recording. It's true. So I, I wanted to start recording, so I didn't, so I didn't, you know, drop the ball here. But I finally dedicated a notebook <gasps> to my uh, summer reading notes. <gasps> I love it. Um, and right here on the very first page, you see all of my notes for today's book. Brilliant. The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. Yes. I, very, I very still exciting. don't have a dedicated notebook. I'm sorry. But the one I use is pretty, but it also has a bunch of other gar- garbage in here. That is... Uh, well, okay, very interesting thing to apologize for. Um, <laughs> if there's something that you can possibly find a way to apologize for, I'm going to find it. Very interesting thing to apologize for, yeah. Um... <laughs> Do do what you will. Um, well, my my old notebook. I was doing like I had a oh this is a an everything notebook. Mm-hmm. And I like travel with three notebooks. I have like two journals for like my creative projects, and then mm-hmm. I have one for literally everything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was using the same notebook for like sign in sheets for my students, and <gasps> oh <my God. laughs> um and summer reading notes, and then just like wow. scrap paper if I ever needed it. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I, I got to a point where, like, the notebook was getting pretty thin. I kept mm-hmm. tearing it, tearing pages out, filling them up with of mice and men, such and such like that. And I'm like, yeah. there's no space anymore for, for summer reading. And I compulsively buy notebooks. I love notebooks. Oh, my yeah. God. And I, I do, I think the very common um, thing for people who like acquiring notebooks, which is never using them in yes. case the thing you put in them is the wrong thing. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I, yes, I am uh-huh. guilty of this. Absolutely. <laughs> and I just, oh God, I love them though. Like I love, yeah. and I don't even need like fancy expensive notebooks. I will mm-hmm. spend a lot of time looking at the notebooks in CVS. Like yeah. no joke. <laughs> like just, um, yeah. I mean, I love fancy ones too, but yeah, I just, I love having multiple notebooks. Yeah. It's good. It's all like, I could write something right now mm-hmm. by hand. Yeah. Just so Imagine you know, that. Just so if you want to know who holds the cards right now. <laughs> That'd be me. That'd be me. That'd be me. The you notebook me carrier. Notebook. <laughs> yes. That's how uh, I refer to you, Jack. <laughs> that's my name on the streets. <laughs> Mr. Notebook. Mr. Um, <laughs> uh, my first year in uh, college, I got uh, a theater award. Mm. at the uh, at the end of it for they did like a couple like a rookie awards oh nice and the title they gave me was uh mr vocab (gasps) wow the the director i was working with was surprised when we did lysistrata Uh and the uh translation or or this version of the translation uses the word brobdennagian and i was the only one in the the room who was familiar with the term it's you are Guller, still Gulliver's the only one. <laughs> oh, okay. Gu- travels. Uh, Brobden Nag is the name of the country with uh, all of the giant people. Oh, okay. So and something then, is Brobden Nagy, and it's like it's gigantic giant. or huge or blown out of proportion. Yeah. Um, something like that. I mean, and, I know Lilliputian. I don't know why I know that and not Brobden Nagy. Yeah. yeah. I think Lilliputian is <laughs> the one that people write about more. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the one with all the tiny people. Yeah, It's just like, so Jonathan Swift covers all his bases. <laughs> that's how you can tell someone is just really, 
really drowning on the breath of their own imagination. Absolutely. They, they start with all like, we did a country of big people. What else could we possibly do? Possibly. Oh my okay. God. Um, Little what if we did? <laughs> Tiny people? <laughs> Tiny people? And then by the end of the book, it's just like, Japan. <laughs> so I've actually never read Gulliver's Travels. I never finished it. Ah, interesting. Maybe we I should. I never finished it. I, I was yeah, going to say, should... maybe we should do it for this. Yeah, no, we should definitely do it um, for like good, good old Brobdenag, Lipushi, yeah. the land of the Hui Nims. Oh my God. Exciting. Um, but we're not talking about uh, we're not. Gulliver's Travels today. Sorry, we're Jonathan. Talking... <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lesser-known dean of a cathedral somewhere. <laughs> um, we're uh, across the way a little bit in England today mm-hmm. with, uh, I already said it, but I'm going to say it again, The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. So good. I, spoiler alert, love this book. Me too! Love this book. Um, a- absolutely adore this book. I love, uh, I love a lot of Ishiguro. Not everything. Uh. But I really, in fact, when I was doing my research on him uh, today, I finally read this description for Clara in the Sun. Oh, I still need to read that. And I I read the description. I'm all like, oh, it's about an android and there's Mm. like friendship involved. I like, it's like, yep, I'm going to get this one. I'm in. Yep. I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah. Um, So uh, have you read this one before? Was this a reread for you? I have. It is a reread and I love, love, love this book and I loved it even more on this read um yeah it is oh i don't know to me it's just a real it's a real um stunner i like every time Mm -hmm. so i think i say every time i think this is only the second time i've read it i believe Mm -hmm. i had picked it up last last time around this year which is funny Mm -hmm. um and i started to reread it and then i got distracted by some other book and read that instead Ain't that just the way it happens um but yeah so this reread for me and um never seen the movie Not me either and i don't really want to because i <laughs> i just feel like i i don't know how they can do it justice the book i don't know it's 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 beautiful it is yeah uh, this is uh, a, a second reread for me as well okay um and this was legitimately a uh What's the phrase? What do we call it? Uh, in, in English class, read. Really? Okay. I read this my first semester of my MFA. Interesting. So I read it for the first time just a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, and I did it because my mentor at the time was sort of on this Ishiguro kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he liked the early Ishiguro, which is always like the pretentious way of enjoying someone's work of course and it works for authors it works for like musicians it's like oh yeah they're early, they're early stuff the early stuff is so good yeah they're fucking sold <laughs> out <laughs> yep <laughs> um uh unfortunately i, I agree i uh, <laughs> i've read a, i read a fair Great. bit of um ishiguro and for, yeah. um, for school I read uh, his three of his earlier things. Mm-hmm. So I read uh, Pale View of Hills. Oh, okay. I've his, not read that. Which was his first novel. Yeah. Um, and I have my notes here. Pale View of Hills, his first novel, published 1982. Okay. 
Um, and then I read An Artist of the Floating World. Mm-hmm. I don't have the publication here for that. Uh, I love both of those very much. And then The Remains of the Day, which was the, the third a little triad there. And oh my goodness, did I love each and every one of them. So good. Because um, I, uh, I went in skeptical because... I think this is something that we disagree on. I was texting you earlier. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, like, we should disagree more. Mm. But we're constantly on, like, yeah. the same or similar pages. Yeah, let's start fighting things yeah. out, Jack. Um, a book that I think we, we could also read on the show uh, that I don't actually particularly love is Never Let Me Go. Oh, see, I love that book. Yeah, that's that's why I was all like, I think this yeah. is a, a place for us to disagree. Uh, Never Let Me Go, I think one of his best known yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely. Would, I would argue one of it. One of his. Best I think. Novels. I actually think remains and never let me go are the two top. Yeah. Like top two. The, best. Those are his big ones. Yeah. Those are his like. Uh, his blockbusters. His his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. And James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And people are be like, "Oh, fuck you! You don't know Nocturnes." And I'm like, "Who knows? Who's read Nocturnes?" <laughs> Um, and, uh, the, the people who love Ishiguro, they're like, yes, a deep cut joke that, I, that relates to me. Um, so Never Let Me Go, I, I didn't super love that, and I'd read, um, The Buried Giant as well. Which oh, I I've just, been wanting to read that one as well. I, I just walked away incredibly neutral. Okay. Um, about, and one of the things that I do love is his... Uh, commitment to diversifying genre. Mm-hmm. Which he does, and he does, I, I don't think it's scandalous to say rather masterfully oh yeah um, no i agree uh, but uh not i went into reading this collection of three of his books for my mfa on the heels of never let me go and bury giant both of which were books that i thought were incredibly popular and mm-hmm. neither of which particularly resonated with me yeah and then i read uh these books and mm-hmm. i think uh the remains of the day uh being the third one was absolutely Oh my god. Yeah. It's uh, I so love good. that. Yeah. Because uh, I am of the opinion that, uh, because you know this about me, I read a lot. Yes, you do. For a writer to be one of my favorite writers, I need to love at least two of their books. Oh. Uh, so if I read one book and I absolutely love it, mm-hmm. but I don't love anything else, I'm like, I'm, I can't, doesn't work, doesn't qualify. Doesn't pass the multiplicity test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes so, like, sense. Writers like um, Michael Chabon. Okay. Uh, who wrote Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite books. I love that book. But none of his other stuff really does it for me. Like mm-hmm. Gentleman on the Road, I was never big on. Telegraph Avenue, I was like, fine. Mm-hmm. The, Plutish, the Yiddish Policeman's Union, I was like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay. I'm down for that, but I, I was never like... Um, Oh my God! This is a book that's gonna stay with me for years to come. Right. Um. So, so I like Michael Shabon, and I loved Cavalier and Clay enough to like constantly see his work. Um. So these books by Ishiguro was like really solidifying Ishiguro as this one of like my beloveds, mm-hmm. uh, beloveds, beloveds. Uh, when it comes to uh, writers, because he's just so aware. Yeah. And he's so aware, and he's so empathetic and human yeah. to his subject matter. Yes. Uh, so, like, really, really beautiful, and I really uh, love it. So, And then this book, just, I think, uh, one of my faves. Yeah, it's one thing, one thing that I wrote down, um, 
that I I just love his prose. I think I just wrote down beautiful prose <laughs> because I just mm-hmm. uh, and like the the tone that he establishes with all yeah. of his characters, like and and it's not you're not reading an Ishiguro novel and saying oh this is <laughs> this is classic Ishiguro it's like <laughs> it's because it, it, everything um feels unique even though yeah. it feels unique but it feels of high quality and I think that that's really um a hard balance to strike yeah and so uh let's hold on to that before we go any further yeah yeah um the remains of the day Published in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Won the uh, Booker. Won Sorry. the Booker. Okay. Won the Booker. I have here won the Nobel Prize in... Or, no, just the author. Ishiguro yes. won yes. the Nobel Prize. Okay, so we'll go through. Remains of the Day, published by... Uh, oh, I, I don't think it was this, but... Uh, my edition is Vintage. Um, so, <laughs> this reprint published by Vintage. I have um, Knopf. Knopf. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds right. Who knows? <laughs> um, written by uh, Kazuo Ishiguro, and uh, I learned this today, Sir Kazuo Ishiguro. Really? Uh, yeah, so... Oh, I didn't know that. Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay. Because yeah, I think he's still too fresh, which is weird. Because, so, like, Alice Walker, she had a, a Biography.com page. Oh. I, I couldn't find a Biography.com page for... Kazuo Ishiguro. And that tends to be like my metric of like, okay, this is a really strange patchwork mm-hmm. of it. Because the only other one who didn't have a biography.com page that we read on the show was Francis Hodgson Burnett. Oh, right. And yeah. Uh, the only thing that I think those two writers have in common is they both were born in a country and emigrated to a different country. Right, right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so Kazuo Ishiguro, born in Nagasaki, Japan. In 1954, mm-hmm. uh, he is known as a Japanese-born British novelist. As a child, he believed that his family would one day return to Japan, and they never did. Oh. Um, and if we are to believe Sparknotes, this is potentially one of the reasons for these sort of isolated yeah. uh, characters or these books about national identity. Because mm-hmm. um, m- many of, uh, at least these early books, Pale View of Hills, Rest yeah. of the Floating World, there's a lot that has to come into national identity, um, regret, almost mourning mm-hmm. pa- the past iterations of your own nation. Um, so... Uh, we have that. His family immigrated to Britain in 1960. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Sparknotes put it, because Sparknotes was actually the best biographical um, text. Resource. Yeah. Resource okay. that I found on this guy. Yeah. After, like, I went through a couple encyclopedia entries and then I was all like, no, Sparknotes actually kind of nails it. Nice. Um, his fame was amazingly rapid. And I put that in quotes, amazingly rapid is the phrase that they use. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, which is crazy because we don't really think about yeah. authors as such. As like, no, who, I agree. Whose, like writing fame was amazingly rapid. Yeah. Because I feel like our our understanding of authors begins at their first like incredibly popular. I like, t- yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like, like, like I, I struggle to think if E.L. James 
mm-hmm. had like a well-known book before Fifty Shades of Grey? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I don't think so either. But then if I think about like Stephanie uh, Stephanie Meyer and yeah. Twilight, I'm like. Yeah. She's had she had to add something before Twilight, right? Or was I Twilight have no was... idea? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so like, <laughs> literally, I think okay, Kazuo Ishiguro, and who else had amazingly rapid fame? El James. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I amazingly rapid fame. That's such a interesting way to put it. I agree with you that that like doesn't quite line up when I think about authors. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so Sparknotes sort of regards uh, the remains of the day as uh, being branded as a post-imperial mm. novel, I, yeah. post-imperial text, where we have this main figure of Stevens the butler who, quote, harbors nostalgia for life before World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point, we sort of get into the meat of the remains of the day. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read it, one, it's a fantastic book. It's so good. Um, Go read it. And, and it's one of those things where I, I feel like it helps <laughs> to not listen to a podcast where we're literally going to spoil the whole book yeah. for you. But also, the language itself is so beautiful and the way yeah. that he approaches writing the book that even if you listen to this whole podcast and then you go and you read the book, there's still enjoyment. There's still texture. Yeah. Um, there's still discovery that comes within actually reading the book because it, it, the the way Ishiguro approaches the text, I think, is just so satisfying and yeah. um, resonant yes. uh, to play with. So, The Remains of the Day is the story of a six-day trip that Stevens, a butler in England, uh, takes. Stevens has been working at uh, Darlington Hall for 34 years. Uh, and for most of the time, he was working for Lord Darlington, who has since passed, and he's been working for the American gentleman, Mr. Faraday. Mr. Faraday. Mr. Faraday. Mr. Faraday. <laughs> um, for um, some time. I don't know how many years. Yeah. Um, it sounds, it, to him, to Stevens, it's definitely still very fresh. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, very, very fresh. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Faraday. Uh, you know, good good bloke. <laughs> um, <laughs> good chap. Good chap. Uh, and Mr. Faraday gives Stevens a vacation, something that's kind of unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so crazy. He, he resolves to leave Darlington Hall to visit uh, Miss Kenton, currently Mrs. Ben, because mm-hmm. she left years and years ago. She used to be the housekeeper of Darlington Hall, but she left to when she got married. Uh, so. On his trip, he sort of reminisces of his time with uh, Miss Kenton as he was mm-hmm. the butler of Darlington Hall and she was the housekeeper, them working together, mm-hmm. uh, them sort of having these work disagreements, sort of childish, playful, um, uh, earnest. Oh, their connection um, is so, yep, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as, as he goes along, he also puts into perspective his time working for Lord Darlington, who was, over the course of his lifetime, sort of discredited as a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's worthwhile to say, Stevens always believes that Lord Darlington was a good man. Yeah. Um, and that it got away from him, but his reputation, uh, he died sort of disgraced. Yes. For, for these sort of German sympathies. Right. Uh, during and following the, uh, the, the war. 
Don't worry. Uh, with that. So, uh, Stevens leaves. He thinks that uh, Miss Kenton is unhappy in her marriage and she's potentially thinking of leaving it and rejoining uh, him at Darlington Hall. Mm hmm. And uh, he gets there, and she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> she, and they just chat and reminisce. They chat, they reminisce, and then he goes home. Yeah. Um. And, uh, man, is it just a kick in the feels. It is so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, kick in the feels, absolutely. So, uh, tell me, what do, what do you think about this book? What are, you, what are your first thoughts? Okay. The remains of the day. So, uh, so many thoughts. Okay, um, let me look at my notes so that I can see where I should start. Um, oh, so I wrote, my first thought that I wrote is that this book is like a well-woven tapestry mm-hmm. because it is non-linear. Um, you know, you're, you're relying on Stephen's memories and and he he jumps all over the place, um, but it doesn't it doesn't ever take you out of it. It doesn't um, throw you off. You know that one moment he's talking about his father working at Darlington Hall with him, and then the next moment he's talking about a conversation he had a week ago with Mr. Faraday. You know, and 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 but the way that that narrative is woven is just seamless. It's it's seamless and it's mm-hmm. beautiful and it's um I don't know it's just really perfect like I said beautiful prose um I love the nonlinear format because it's done well um I will <laughs> I will say that <laughs> I hate when nonlinear format is not done well that drives mm-hmm. me crazy um but I, it doesn't it that's not that's a non-issue here because it's beautiful and it's um it's perfect uh. Maybe I shouldn't say perfect. <laughs> I was like, it's Nothing beautiful. perfect. And it's perfect. <laughs> really, really sets the bar for like right, right. future books we have to... Re- <laughs> okay. I, sidebar. It's not... Okay, it's probably not perfect, but it's gorgeous. Um, and I love... I, like, I love the connection between Stevens and Miss Kenton. Um, and mm-hmm. I love... I love the way... It's um, it's sort of slowly revealed. I wrote down that it's like a slow burn romance, kind of mm-hmm. like like you know at the beginning it's like oh there's this woman who worked with me, Miss Kenton, got a letter from her, whatever, and then oh I reread her letter and oh I remembered this conversation that we had and oh I remember this interaction and oh by the way we used to have cocoa together every every night and it's just like it's just so, um, it's so sweet and it's so yeah. It's so hard too because Stevens has this wall, and he always has this emotional wall yep. with everybody. I like that phrase. I comment on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think Ishiguro is rather adept when it comes to planting these seeds. Mm-hmm. So it's like at the beginning, you don't necessarily see what the plot is going to be of the book. Yeah. But he's really great at playing. Like the second you hear Miss Kenton, it's like, oh, we have a name of someone, mm-hmm. and you're like, could this be a person? And then the way Stevens talks about Miss Kenton, you're like, not only is she someone, this is someone he probably thinks about every day, every day, of yeah, his, uh, every day of his life, yeah. Um, and one of my notes here is, the remains of the day, is 
more romantic <sighs> than most of the romances I've ever read yes. where the lovers get together. Yes, absolutely. Because, like, quite notably, it's it's not the same book if they end up together at the end here. Right, right. Um, it's, it's not as beautiful. It's not as, like, Stephen sort of works his life away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he's not, he's not rewarded no. for working his life away. Um, and one of the things that that sort of manifests is like, listen, she's going to come back to work. Yeah. If she comes back to work, we will be together again. It's not, damn it all. I'm going to quit my job as a butler. It doesn't matter. I don't even understand my weird American boss. <laughs> he wants to joke around with me. How dare he? The fuck is yeah. that? <laughs> Joking around? Right. Who fucking does? The, the banter. I the love him bantering. talking about banter. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's also very like um trying to practice charisma. Oh my god. You know how difficult it is to just yes. change your behavior like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he he constantly goes back to, oh, I think this person was trying to banter with me. I really <laughs> need to work on my bantering. It's so cute. I can just it's so sweet and endearing, it right? It really is, yeah. It gives you a goal for him to... Like, like. I think that's one of the other things that's great about the way The Remains of the Day happens mm-hmm. is Stevens will tell you his goal. Yeah. And then he will tell you his actions. Yeah. And you get to see the sort of subtle dissonance between those two right, things. Right, right. Um, and I think one of the best examples is the way that Stevens plays off of the people in his life. So... Mm-hmm. I think a great example is when you receive these conversations between Stevens and Miss Kenton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often think about uh, Marilyn Robinson's Gilead. Yes. Where you have uh, the reverend who's mm-hmm. talking to his father, who's also a reverend, mm-hmm. and both of them have different political beliefs. Yeah. Um, and there's this conversation where they're sharing where every single line they refer to the other one as reverend. Yes. Like, it's interesting that you say that reverend. Well, reverend. Yeah, yeah. It's all, also, but reverend, you really have to consider this stance. Well, reverend, I had considered that stance, but when you put it into perspective, it doesn't make as much sense. Oh, I could see why you'd say that reverend. <laughs> um, and it's such a charged, it becomes such a, an electric word. Yeah. Um, and you kind of see this uh, again when, Miss Kenton and Stevens are in sort of disagreements about the way to operate a house. Yeah. Something like that. And they're like, well, Miss Stevens, uh, what's Miss Stevens? They never knew. <laughs> um, uh, well, well Miss Kenton, Kenton. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mr. Stevens. And, and it just goes, goes like that. And they're like, wow, they are messing with each other. Right. Right. They are actively messing with each other. Totally. They, they both are fully aware of like this, the social contract that they're written to. Yeah. And they are using all of their tools to get their message across in a way that's not going to be un-British, mm-hmm. uncivil, improper, uh, undignified. Improper, yes. <laughs> um, which, which is just, it's so wonderful. Yeah. It's so wonderful to just see it, like showing this is how I'm behaving with this person. This is how I think I'm behaving. This mm-hmm. is how you, like, this is what you this can is... make based off of my actions. Like, right. you can hazard I'm feeling based off of the way the scene is written, the language is rendered, and yeah. all of these rather adroit creative choices. Good word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, the, I just checked my phone. It's super, super unprofessional, but it it buzzed, and I, I don't <gasps> want, like if it comes up on the um the record. I, I, I don't want people to be like, did, did you hear a heartbeat? <laughs> did you just hear a heartbeat somewhere? Jeez, you don't have your phone on silent. Oh, it so is on silent, but it's also on vibrate. Oh. Oh um, my god, my my students. Just a tangent. Mm-hmm. I have many students who have their phones on during class, which is like, whatever, we use our phones. Yeah. It's a tool. You yeah. can use a tool. It's fine. Um, but they won't have it on silent. <laughs> so I, I have this new policy where rather than like shaming someone for their phone going off, if their ringtone goes off, I dance to it. Nice. Um, <laughs> like, like, I just move. I, I'm like, I will, I will stop the lecture immediately. Wow. And dance to it. So everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. And the student who's all like, oh, fuck. He's dancing. No one wants to see this. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's gloriously undignified of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, you gotta have fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I graded 100 papers this weekend. You have to have fun somewhere. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah. You, yeah. Get, you get a medal for that. I, I crawled out of it like... I need the sun. I need to see the sun. And maybe a drink. And a drink. Yeah. Good lord. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I, I wanted to go through some of Sparknotes themes and motifs because I thought they were interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting because what I love about Sparknotes themes and motifs is they will say, one, because they're, they're not 100% correct. Right. I think a high schooler will look at themes and motifs and say, this is everything that the book's about. Yeah. Um, and in that way, I think there there is that sort of... Um, problem? Pl- problem. I, I, I was thinking of a verb. Oh, like, sorry. Diminishing. Oh, yes. Like diminishing in quality. Yes. Like, I love SparkNotes because it's a great tool. It's there to give you something to think about or... or if you just don't understand what's going on in a specific part of the book. Right. Um, and you want to, like, read up on that. Um, like, and, I, like, I swear by it. When I first read Scarlet Letter in high school, mm-hmm. I went to SparkNotes. I read the whole uh, book summary all the way through, and then I read the book. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I, like, I sat down, and I I run into these books frequently where the language just does not process in my brain. Mm-hmm. But I want to read the book. Right. I'll, sit, I'll either read the blurb on the back again, mm-hmm. get an understanding, or I'll read a summary online and then I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. they're talking about this, they're yeah. doing this or whatever. And uh, it's been great for practicing my own reading comprehension, mm-hmm. but it's not a repla- It's never a replacement right. for right. it uh, because people don't know to trust their own opinions Yeah, yeah. Um, or and, how, even how to formulate one. And, and the notes, I mean... A note is never going to be as nuanced as your own experience. Yes. Right? Like, the experience that you have reading a book and feeling what you feel based on what the characters are going through, or that's never going to be summarized in a bullet point. Yep. I, like, I would love to talk about Remains of the Day as a romance novel. I love, And I would like, I'd, I'd like to stand and say, like, this is how Ishiguro has used the mechanisms of literary romance mm. to drive this plot, to drive yearning, mm-hmm. to, to make 
uh, wistfulness, mm. mm-hmm. active, right? Right. He he does that, and so when you have something like uh, uh, Spark Notes, who comes in and says, "This is one of the things that the book's about." I I, I worry for like non-nuanced or unpracticed uh, English students going in and saying, okay, they say that this book is about dignity and greatness. That's the mm. only thing I'm ever going to think about this book. Right, right. And they stop at the at the first example. Yeah. And then that's just like, I'm going to hitch my wagon to this star. Yeah. I'm just going to write this. But uh, the other end of that is, Sparkers will say, a big theme in this book is dignity and greatness. Yeah. Um, and I'll be like, oh, fuck yeah. It's true, yeah. When, when like, sometimes you just need someone to say, hey, have you thought of this? Yeah, right. Uh, and then you can just take it from there. Um, so, Dignity and Greatness, I, like, I, I really loved it because then mm-hmm. I was thinking about Stevens, mm-hmm. who is, like, one of, one of the last of the great butlers. Yes, um, yes. One of the great butlers. And then you think about Britain, or I think about, I don't speak for you. I don't speak for you, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> England as a once great nation. Right. Like, before the war, you should have seen this place. Yeah. Right? Before uh, before we painted. <laughs> this place was amazing. This, this was great. Yeah. The, the, the colors matched. The, uh, <laughs> the, the rug tied the room together. Now the rug looks out of place. I love, my mom gave me that rug. I can't, I, and now I got to get rid of it because we just painted. You should have seen this place before. Um, not to say painting a room is the same as World War II. But, um, I don't think anyone's going to accuse you of saying that, Jeff. <laughs> you get an angry email. Um, in episode 12 of the Summer Reading Podcast. So insulted. <laughs> and Jack was already on thin ice because last episode he called Mussolini a sourpuss. And... <laughs> Oh my god! I do believe that that was Doll who said that, right? Or no, no, Doll. Doll oh, no, called, Doll, uh, that's Doll right. called Hitler a stinker. That's right. Oh my god! I called Mussolini a sourpuss. <laughs> in the same genre of comment. <laughs> oh my god! That's <laughs> but we digress. So, so England as a once great nation, mm-hmm. um, and when you think about sort of a lot of the literature of the modernist period. Um, sort of rising and Britain has a sort of greater mm-hmm. national consciousness, which was something that Britain really didn't have. Britain just mm-hmm. thought it was the nation. Right. Um, and then the rest of the world did their fun little other custom things. Um, how quaint. They have pyramids here. Let's take one. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's take one. Uh, <laughs> um, and so you could think of sort of like grief for what a, the nation once was mm-hmm. like the world used to make sense to stevens yeah miss kenton was here with me and it was nice yeah my uh the lord of my hall told me what to do and didn't expect me to joke around with him yeah uh i was brought up in these certain social circumstances i was brought up in this sort certain this certain class, class. system yep um, and I know how to make sense of that. Yeah. Um, and when the world is shattered and I am literally the only one who's left, mm-hmm. it's me in this house. The woman I love is gone. Mm-hmm. The house I used to manage is gone. The man I, I admired. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is disgraced and gone. Yeah. Um, 
and now I have a dude who's lending me his car. What the fuck is going on? Like, right, right. Um, the world is upside down. And... It's, it's upside down, and, he, and he's he's just struggling to hold on to something. Yeah. Um, and so one of the ways that I love how that manifests is, you called it an emotional something earlier. An emotional wall, an emotional Oh, ladder? yes. Yeah, yeah. Am, no, he, no okay. he has, Stevens absolutely has a wall. Um, and it's uh, with everybody. I mean, it's with his yes. father. It's with Miss Kenton. It's we with... We have to talk about his father. Oh, my God, his father. Yeah. God. But yet, so what What I love about Stevens is he's, is, I think, one of the most endearing, and to me, blatantly unreliable narr- oh, narrators I've yes. ever read. Yes. Um, because you can see how Stevens is kind of protecting himself, mm-hmm. but in a way that... I don't know, like helps, like almost innocently negotiates the world around him. Yeah. Um. And so he and Miss Kenton sort of have these these sort of childlike repartees mm-hmm. between, and I'm like, they, like they're trying so hard to connect with each other, but they just don't have the tools to for yeah. it. Yeah. And then you have Stevens who's sort of recounting these, uh, these things, and he's saying like, oh well, she she thought this, and I thought this, and that's that and you think like oh well obviously i was right but you yeah know, you can see right, like right like, like you you get you get these uh these hints of like oh he hasn't had this breakthrough yet yeah and he might never have this breakthrough yeah and so you're kind of like rooting for him to be like no realize this yeah yeah realize your boss is a nazi sympathizer right Reali- be... realize she loves you too like, yeah be honest with yourself i be think honest with yourself. i think that's a huge blockade for stevens because because he has this idea of dignity and being a butler and that being a butler is not a job it is mm-hmm. a calling it is your identity and so everything that you do that everything that Stevens does is as a butler. Um, and so he, he, he can't admit that he's enjoying reading a sentimental romance when Miss, <laughs> Ste- when, when Miss uh, Kenton comes across him doing that. And he can't admit that he is crying because his father is dying, but mm-hmm. he's serving gentlemen port at the, whatever conference that they're having at Darlington Hall. And then he's um, prioritizing the port. He's prioritizing port. the port. Yeah. And that's, and to him, that's what his father would want because his father was a great butler and his mm-hmm. father embodied this dignity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, another, oh, that scene where all of the noblemen are like making fun of him and he's just like responding with this, this this canned response i can't speak to that sir it's you know with uh, outside of my abilities or something like that mm-hmm. and they're all just like ah, like dance monkey dance and he's like yeah i'm doing my job this is what i'm doing and this is who i am and it's just so heartbreaking because you know that he's feeling humiliated and and ishiguro writes it in such a way that you can feel that you can empathize with him. But then you're also, you, like you said, you want to like shake him and be like, dude, like wake up. Don't you just want to go ape shit? Yeah. Don't you yeah. want to take that fucking silver platter and ram it up some gentry ass? Yes. Like, yeah, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. Like this entire book is, is heartbreaking, but it's mm-hmm. also really beautiful. And yes. <laughs> so like, 
this is, I think, a perfect example of one of my favorite things in books. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why I love Edith Wharton, too, Mm -hmm. is he writes tragedy, but the beauty of life glows. Yes. Um, And that's one of the things I I love about Edith Wharton. Um, House of Mirth, Age of Innocence in particular, Mm -hmm. those are, like, the big ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Ethan Frome, too. Yeah. Um, of like, my life sucks, but I'm watching the girl I love dance. Yeah. And so it's okay right now. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's like, listen, we got a job to do. We live to work. If we don't work, we don't have food, money, house. Right. Um, and you might say, isn't that just capitalism? Um, but it's different <laughs> because now it's in Britain. Yeah. So, <laughs> because, because, you know, to be in service is this whole yes. other thing and and i i feel like it has um <laughs> i feel like downton abbey has given people a very different idea of what that means holy shit <laughs> as a as a fan of uh downton abbey to the point where i got three seasons in before i got distracted by i don't know a shiny rapper or something right um <laughs> that was very much i have um i have like a rule with dramas mm where the second a character who is like just trying to be with the person they love, but the the drama writers are like, no, we have to make it harder yeah. and harder. Yeah. And keep them farther and farther apart because that's how they know how to write romance in a way that yeah. keeps going. The second a character says, we, we must be cursed. I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, I don't believe it anymore. Yep. Uh, like, like, listen, these characters may very well believe that they're cursed and that their love is cursed. Yeah. But fucking, I'm a writer. I know, it's like you're trying to write an excuse for why you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. man's a paraplegic, but he gets over it. Like that. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I. Uh, down Abbey spoilers, but down straight Abby. up. This man's never going to walk again. Nope. Nope, he's good. <laughs> Six episodes. Irreparable <laughs> spinal damage. Nice, it's good. It's fine. Let's, you want to go have sex? Like. <laughs> You know the modern medicine of you know 19 what what year is Downton Abbey 1915 it starts with the Titanic stinking yeah whatever mm. early early 1900s they had really great medicine <laughs> at that time god but those first two seasons of Downton Abbey I was gripped <laughs> Downton Abbey is also a great example of um uh shit my mom has no patience for <laughs> oh oh Rose I love you that is great that is great she, she doesn't like um what i'm just supposed to watch rich people have problems <laughs> yes oh and my then, um, god then i'm like but don't add these revolutionary because you get the like the working class and she's like Fah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh my yeah, god but, so the remains of the day feels like well i mean remains of the day is older I think part of part of my brain feels like well, the remains of the day must be playing off of Downton Abbey because, <laughs> um, but that's not how time works. Nope. Um, but I, I feel very much like the remains of the day is one of these wonderful novels that is like the rich inner lives of working class people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where where it's like the the political career of the Lord of the Hall. Uh, Lord Darlington is secondary, if not tertiary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the overall story, it's like right. you have Stevens's life is the plot. Right. His relationship to Miss Kenton is uh, 
the secondary plot. Yeah. And the political life of the lord he once worked for is the tertiary plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, as you said, tapestry woven together expertly. So beautiful, yeah. Um, but it's crazy to think, like, this this couldn't come out in 1920. No. And be, like, a, a huge commercial success in Britain. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, of right. Being, like, who wants to talk about a servant? Yeah, yeah, like, that is so interesting. They're like, servants don't have these rich inner lives. They right. bring tea. Right, yeah. Uh, but then, then you're like, no. And it sort of feels like the sort of class-based reclamation of mm-hmm. the past. Mm-hmm. Where we get these beautiful, beautiful stories about people who have to work for their living. Right. You, you don't get these pride and prejudice, like... Well, he's he's low aristocracy and he's working landed gentry, um, so he could never marry her because they're not the same class. Yeah. And meanwhile, like the you just assume that the maid is in the corner. Right. 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 And even uh, I think Virginia Woolf had gone on the record of saying she found it very difficult to write um, servants mm. in her books, where she just she couldn't understand what was going on in their heads that's fascinating um, virginia wolf bit of a snob yeah um, yeah you're either gonna have like the virginia wolf stands who are like how fucking dare you and then you're gonna have the virginia wolf scholars who are like <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah no that's but that's such a good point because it, it, it really is like i said like this concept of living of being in service and living mm-hmm. to serve and yeah like the, the the people that are, I don't know about the people who are printing the books, but maybe the people who are approving the books that get printed yes. would not would not go for this. The actual printers um, are like, oh, this is a yeah, book. This is and great. The, the owners are like, hmm, mm. one more for the fire, Jenkins. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. I also, I wanted to, the quick sidebar, um, I was in in reading about Ishiguro. I found out that he actually worked um, for the royal family. What? Yes. So he worked as a quote grouse beater for the queen mother at Balmoral Castle. Oh my god! Isn't that amazing? We need business cards. So <laughs> grouse beater. Professional so, grouse beater. I I it sounds I was, gross kind of now. I know. Yeah. I was thinking about that though in in the context of this book because I was like I wonder like I always wonder where where do these ideas come from like when when a writer I think that's a common curiosity. Thing. Yeah. And so there's there's part of me that's like oh I wonder if like when he was working as a grass beater, he had one of his many notebooks and he took it out and wrote out like Butler <laughs> and like just like wrote out like like Butler in service book he, he's, or he's whatever down, you know. He's down in the shop. He's he's beaten beaten the grouse. Grice. <laughs> he's beaten Grice and he's thinking to himself, these people are fascists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just I found that really fascinating um that, yeah. that he he had he has had a little taste of what steven's entire life was essentially I feel like all of these writers have that little nugget yeah so like did you know l frank Baum's father owned a barrel factory and you're like no thank you <laughs> what <laughs> yeah as Ishigaro was a grouse beater <laughs> yeah okay yeah 
it's Put fascinating. Them in, like fortune cookies. And by the way, that was from um, the Nobel Prize uh, website. It's not like from Joe Schmo's <laughs> <laughs> fan page of Ishiguro. <laughs> it's from like a Reddit, a Reddit thread. Um, yeah. So anyway, a- animals famously assaulted by public figures. <laughs> Gross, Peter. Um, yeah. Sorry, I feel you know, like I. Ne- e Nesbit hunted moose. It's like, it's like, no, it's like, that's not even real. No, that's not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. I think the last big thing I kind of want to talk about going through my notes. Yeah. I I go through my notes. I'm like, no, I'm not kind of interested in talking about that. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, oh, okay. No, I have a couple things actually. I actually have more things too. So you, you go Um, first. So I want to say, uh, for my last, I think, me-specific thing that I mm. want to talk about um, before I talk about the dad, because I think we kind of both want to talk oh, about Oh, God, so much, yeah. Um, uh, is I had a professor talking about, uh, he's a creative writing professor. He's, he's, he's brilliant. He's mm. insane, but he's brilliant. Um, Wonderful. And uh, not like a, oh, you know, two, two degrees between like, it's a thin line between madness and brilliance. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this guy's not like crazy, but he's just like himself. Yeah, and I think that's something that makes people uncomfortable. Um, anyone just like oh, being yourself, <laughs> breaking the mold. How dare um, you? <laughs> uh, he had this phrase that really resonated with me, and I kind of use it everywhere now when I'm talking about things like craft, mm-hmm. um, any form of like writing. It, like he could play this. Uh, you can use this for music too, where uh, writing, um, creative writing, is, I think particularly in fiction too, but you can have this for nonfiction, you can have this for poetry, mm-hmm. is another form of acting. Mm. Um, and when you are stepping into a different character, it can, it can be anything. You can do this in third person, second person, first person, whatever. I think first person and third person limited I think are, are more commonly to like feel this way. Mm-hmm. But when you're stepping into another character and you're writing a book through this character's eyes, yeah, that is a form of acting. Yeah. Where you're acting up on stage. You like get together with your, it's you is a collaboration with your scene partners and your directors. Yeah. And you're saying like, okay, why would I grab the tape dispenser right now? Right. Right. Why, why would I like, I don't know, just shake the tape, tape dispenser. I, I don't even have tape in here. I don't even, I'm, like, You're that, fixating on the tape I, dispenser. I, I was all like, what do people do on stage? Um, <laughs> as if I haven't been a theater person since birth. Um, and uh, in, I think that that's one of the reasons I feel like uh, so many adult literary writers or scholars mm. sort of poo-poo on YA. Oh, yeah. Because the acting in YA is different. Yes. Absolutely. It's like the, the acting on a Nickelodeon sitcom is different oh, from yeah. like, a, like an NBC sitcom. Right, right. Um, and, and like when you're playing around with that and you, you like pick up YA and you're like, Eric is the cutest boy. <laughs> he's on the all football team. School. He's on the football team. He plays every position on the football. Do you know how hard it is to be good enough to say that you can play every... 
he did it because you know YA doesn't really know what football's going on with right. The, right. They don't know. <laughs> no, no one in YA has a clear idea of what's happening no, with football. No. <laughs> um, he scored six. Six what? He scored six. <laughs> he, he scored um, six. And but he'll he'd never love me. <laughs> I'm the chosen one. Like it's <laughs> um right. Uh, and and like like we could say that the the acting isn't always the best. Right. Right. Um, we could also say that it's just different acting. For yes. A, a different um, for a different audience. For a different audience. Yeah. But the acting is different. Yeah. And one of the things I think Ishiguro just really excels at is his acting. Mm. When it comes to stepping into these other characters and yeah. being like, you know what? I'm going to be a post-World War II butler. Yeah. And it's going to be the most beautiful goddamn shit you've ever done. Oh, my God. Read. It's so, yeah. And I love that. That I actually wrote, I wrote it down. Writing is another form of acting. Um, and I do, and, and I, I agree that that Ishiguro is a great actor because he does embody these voices. Um, he embodies Stevens in this really authentic way. And I, it's been a while since I read Never Let Me Go, but I also felt the same um, about the the main characters in that story, mm-hmm. um, that you are, you really are seeing the world through their eyes. And, um, and yeah, they, it's just authenticity is really is spot on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was something that I wrote that I wanted to talk about before we get into the father. Um, oh, um, the, the fact that regret and loss are so, uh, interwoven throughout this Mm -hmm. story and, and that the characters are older, you know, they're in their sixties. I think is that yep. is that accurate? Sparknotes uses those exact words: regret and loss. Yeah, and oh, really? Hey, yep. <laughs> I didn't even look Spell at my name right on the check. <laughs> um, I I was thinking about those themes as I was writing notes, and I was looking at the fact that Ishiguro wrote this at thirty-five, mm-hmm. and that how often do you see somebody? young writing older characters and doing it so beautifully. And, and I'm not saying that you can't have regret and loss at any age you can, but I just, I think that there's something really um, powerful about, about that. Um, Yeah. For me, I I don't actually care. (laughs) Sorry. That was way more. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't actually care about the point you're making. So anyway, (laughs) Back to back to my shit. Um, I don't actually care that he was thirty five when he was writing older characters. Yeah. What I what I care about with um, those the with the older characters is that there is empathy mm. to older characters mm-hmm. because I, as a society we're so afraid of like Age. aging. Yep. And like the fact that you have a writer who's sort of already established, rapidly mm-hmm. famous. Rapidly. Um, um, amazingly rapidly famous. Um, uh, who's like, no, look how amazing these older people are. Yeah. Um, and, and like that beauty. Yeah. That, that, that's really, I think, what 
that rings true for me. I guess I, more. I, I guess I'm not, I feel like I'm not making my point well. I think what I'm saying is that I love that he has has the humanity to see that. Okay. Do you I know what I mean? To, yeah, yeah. I, I love if we're looking through like an ideological pr- perspective. Yeah. Um, for sure. Because because when I'm when I'm thinking about like. When I, when I hear stories, we were talking about this a little bit with L. Frank Baum, but Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein when she was 19. Right. I don't want to hear that fucking shit. Right, yeah. The fact yeah. that he's 35 <laughs> when he writes the, these people in their 60s, I'm like, that doesn't really, that doesn't, you know, glow. No. For me. Um, because then and then it's like, like, when he writes, when he writes kids, like, yeah. are, are we going to be as amazed? Or can we yeah. just be amazed with Ishiguro because he has such... Um, He's so in tune with humanity or his yeah. own humanity or the humanity of the people he's witnessed around him. And I think I think that the the point that I was trying to make that I, I didn't quite get to was what you are talking about where um, these stories uh, stories featuring older people are not often told. Yes. And I think And that never that, as empathetically. No, and I think that that's a huge problem. And the fact that like he tells this so beautifully that he makes the choice to tell it when he's at a young age as well, mm-hmm. I think speaks to him as a person and as a writer. Because, in, so, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. That's up. Um, okay. I, in I the, <laughs> this is also the first time I've been talking today. <laughs> the only other thing I think I talked to was when I got like a, a donut at Dunkin' Donuts earlier. <laughs> The, the cashier was all like, will that be all? And I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Jack, I'm honored that I'm your first conversation of the day. <laughs> one, of the, one of the foibles of living alone. I, w- I was with friends on Friday. I went to their house and, you know, hung out till like two in the morning and uh, I get the there and I like, I start talking and they go like, are you feeling okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? It's like your voice is just a little raspy. I'm like, no, I'm totally fine. And they're like, oh, is this the first you've talked today? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's how you know your friends know you. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't even know what the fuck we we're talking about. Um, uh, I don't know either what we're oh, talking man. about. Well, you'll never know what I wanted to expand on. Because <laughs> neither will I. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to you at 4 a.m. and you um, can text me. <laughs> my eyes just shoot open. Um, Ready is acting! <laughs> <laughs> um, we should talk about the father. Yes, the father. Before we, we forget, I know. Move on to rabbits soon. Oh. Um, okay, so uh, I love the father. Yeah, me too. I, I would not like him in person. In fact, I no. probably would not like any of these characters in person. Yeah. Um, but the role mm-hmm. that he plays in this book humanizes everyone. Yeah. He is, for me, he is like, the catalyst for these characters' individual humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you have uh, him to Stevens, who is that's his father. He feels very much in like the patriarchal tradition of like you idolize your father. Yeah, 
your father is great. Everything he does needs to be respected. Um, and then you have hit uh, William, William Stevens, the father, mm-hmm. in context of Miss Kenton, who, to Miss Kenton, he's one of the under-servants. He's yep. the under-butler. He's the under-butler, and so she calls him William, and yeah, that she, is a huge fucking problem for Stevens. Huge, huge fucking problem. So that's yeah. my dad. Dude, that's my dad. Yeah, yeah. That's my dad over there. That, right. da- that dude who's working? Yeah, that's my dad? Yeah. Fuck so, him. yeah. Like, use some respect, bitch. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, and and then that that is one of the first windows you see into their relationship, mm-hmm. where Miss Kenna's like, oh, well, forgive me, but I believe it's customary to refer to the underservants by their first name, and <laughs> Stevens is like, oh, ho, ho, oh, nay, nay. <laughs> You must be mistaken because yes, technically he is that, but he's also get this, a great man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then you see just the decline. Yeah. Of him and fairly quick. The fall. The fall. God. Yeah. The, the fall. The struggling to hold his his essential demotion. Yep. Like, his his son demoting him. Yeah. Um, because he just can't do the work anymore. Yeah. And then also the sort of insidious tone that they don't even mention, but having a man this elderly and sick... Yeah. ...still working... Yeah. It's so... Yeah, it's... So telling to what society sees servants mm-hmm. as. That, like, like, what you were saying, they're not people... You know, they're like, mm-hmm. whatever, he's, he's working. It's fine. Their resources. Their yeah. Tools. It's so dehumanizing and so horrible. Um, and that, you know, even, you know, the man is dying and it's more important that the doctor who's come to see him go and see the nobleman who has sore feet, you know, and that's just so disgusting (laughs) um and i think i just my internet is telling me it was unstable did i freeze on you you froze but i was gonna say whatever you yeah okay um i um i was just saying that it was it's it's um yeah the the way the way that stevens looks up to his father juxtaposed with the way the lord darlington and all of the nobility view his father um, mm-hmm. is is very telling to the class structure of the time, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and and the the conversations between him and his father, where they can't even they can't even just talk to each other. You know, they can't they can't just have a conversation. They, I don't think that they would ever have a real argument. You mm-hmm. know, um, and the. Yeah, the the pain that he is experiencing when he has to demote his father, who to him is like this titan. And even yeah. even in that scene, he is talking about how tall his father is and how strong he is, even at his advanced stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and yeah. To us, that's a wither. He's just a withering man. Yeah. Um. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And what is the thing? I was trying to think of what he says. I think he says to Stevens, like, on his dying bed, like, 
I hope I was a good father to you or something like and that. And Stevens doesn't say anything. And he doesn't say anything. Stevens just... is like, we'll talk about this in the morning. Yeah, it's so... Ugh. <laughs> that, that's when you sort of know that the father's accepted that he's dying. Right. And Stevens has not accepted it yet, so he goes yeah. back to work. Yeah. Fuck. And, and the... I have to say, I don't know if you have people like this in your life. I do. Who... They do. They just, they just work. That's all they have. That's all they see. That's all that means anything to them. And I might be that person in my life. No, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but yeah, it's um, to to read the inner thoughts of someone like mm-hmm. Stevens is. Um, I, I had some people coming to mind as I was reading this. <laughs> oh man! And you are not one of them, Jack. <laughs> Do you, do you have any... Uh, we'll talk about this in the morning. Um, <laughs> do, do you have any final thoughts about The Remains of the Day? Oh, final thoughts. I don't know. It's beautiful. Everybody should read it. I said it was perfect, but I take that back because no book is perfect. Um, I think... <coughs> sorry. Um, I had, it was a real cough. It wasn't a fake cough. Um, I think this, I for me, goes on our, like, summer reading required reading list. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think of Remains of the Day, House of Mango Street, Native Son. I yeah. Think that's, like, that's my running tally right now. Yeah. Um, uh, of of what it, what it do. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go into Rabbits. I... Uh, so, I want to say, I want to start doing okay. this thing. I, okay. I didn't brief you on this beforehand. Oh, okay. Brief me now. But when we go into these these different segments, mm-hmm. uh, I think we need preamble. Okay. Um, so for if you're just if you're just joining us, like for us, we've been living our lives chronologically, but these people have been jumping around. It's true. So, yeah. Um, so rabbits. It's a good thing it only took uh, three months of. Uh, <laughs> for us, it's uh, we've been doing this. We've been doing this for going on seven months now. Yeah. Um, but only three months of, uh, episodes. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. But if you're just joining us, uh, at the end, we go into what we call rabbits. It was based off of, uh, of Mice and Men. Our very first episode. Our first episode. And, um, in, in the future, I'm not even going to say that it's based off of our conversation of Mice and Men. I just kind of want you to wonder why it's. Why rabbits? Yeah. But we, uh, rate the book or we review the book. On a scale of five rabbits, mm-hmm. uh, we try not to think too much about what half a rabbit means, um, and yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you just sort of commit. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I usually ask Marty first. I put her on the spot. I know I you do. Um, so, Marty, how many rabbits do you think you'll give the remains of the day? Full five. I'm just going for the it. Full five. The full five. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Every time I read it, I feel things. And, um, and I'm going to reread it at some point in my and life. that's crazy to me because that's more than you gave Little Women, which you have actively said is your favorite book. It is my favorite book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am going to go four and a half. Okay. Why four and a half, Jack? Um, to spite you. <laughs> that's a very um, good reason. <laughs> four and a half, uh, because I think when I encounter my five rabbit book, I'll be done reading. Oh wow! Uh, and like there are so many books that I absolutely so love. 
A Little Life by Hanya Yanagahara, Nimona by Noelle Stevenson, mm-hmm. Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. Oh, like, these are so these, good. these are books I I love. Um you have a color purple I really love. Yeah. Um <laughs> Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. All these things. All these fucking different things. <laughs> the, uh, the Thirteen and a Half Lives of Captain Blue Bear by Walter Moores. Ooh, I don't know um, that one. That one, that's uh, a lesser known, I think, <laughs> of one, but this is uh, my favorite German novel because everyone should have one. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, Station Eleven, I really love. It's not important. The Friend yeah. by Secret Genius, I could keep going, but um, uh, when I encounter a, a five star book, it just, I don't know. It feels like complete. It feels like that's that's the last chapter of my reading. Wow. Um, and. I think it's more likely that I'll fall upon like a four point seven five okay. book eventually, but uh, yeah, I love this book. Yeah, um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a book I'll constantly be coming back to. Yeah, um, and I love it so much. It makes me wish that uh, the his two others that I love, uh, Pellview Hills and, and Artists of the Floating World, were more popular. Mm, okay, because um, those those I also think are very very stunning and i, I should like, read those i haven't read either they're uh, great maybe we do it no we probably yeah won't. We, we, well i mean we could what the we hell have, we have we, a, we get to sh- decide we do we have, we have so many people we have to showcase i know i know and uh we have been the summer reading podcast our music was done by nathan morrissey he's a good lad mm-hmm. you can find him at nathan.morrissey77 on instagram uh, our editor is my brilliant, wonderful, beautiful, amazing, lovely, brilliant mom, Rosa Maria. You can find her on uh, Instagram and Etsy at Crochetwell. Um, and she's going to have a second Etsy store soon. I don't know if she's set it up yet or not. But That's I exciting. Have, I don't have it written down yet. She's, she loves to, she's like, well, this store's for these things and this other store's for these other things. Nice. I, I don't want to confuse the market. Um, <laughs> uh uh, the Summer Reading Podcast is created and produced by us, uh, <gasps> Marty Mason. That's me. That's, that's you. <laughs> and uh, me, uh, Jack Kroll. If you want to get in touch, either with a correction, be kind, or a book recommendation for a book you love and you'd like to see on the show. Or some praise. We, or we, some praise. We take praise. I'm a slut for validation. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> Did we mention we're also theater people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find us Mm. at the Summer Reading Podcast at gmail.com. Or is it? It's Summer Reading Podcast. Summer Reading Podcast at gmail.com. No, the the... email account is (laughs) Summer Reading Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. We check it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also, here at the end, I want to say this is the first episode Marty and I have recorded since the first one went out. Oh, yes, that is true. So if you are very, very angry about something that happened anywhere between Alice Walker's The Color Purple and Roald Dahl's Matilda, <laughs> you're going to have to wait a couple months before we address it. So sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> with that. So uh, join us next time. When we read, I even talked about it this episode. Which bum, is when we read Ethan Frome. Oh, can't wait. Edith Wharton. Cannot wait to reread this one. So excited. 
Yeah. I feel like we have a lot to talk about, especially as, like, Massachusetts people. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah so. We should probably do a field trip associated yeah. with this book. Uh, I want to go to the Wharton House. Mm, mm-hmm. We'll talk about this next week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll hear you next time. Goodbye. Bye.